Hello, welcome to the AFPC Comics Podcast, episode 246. Dang, like we're so man. close to 250. I know, it's crazy. Like, can you believe, I, like, yeah. when, like, three weeks ago, <laughs> when we were at 243, did you no. think we'd ever be at 246? No, I don't know how numbers work. Okay, fantastic. Someone just writes this down on the agenda. I don't that do helps. the agenda. I'm told this is a high number. I mean, if it was me, we would just do the alphabet, but someone told me there's only 25 letters in the alphabet, so. <laughs> right. and I believe them. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it's uh, it's great to have you back. Uh, I know you were away Thanks, last weekend, yeah. having a blast, I'm sure. It was fun, yeah. I went to uh, I went to a wedding in New Orleans and hit the French Quarter the, the, a couple of days before Halloween, but, you know, you wouldn't mm. know because it was bonkers, but it was really fun. Yeah. Uh, my, nice. my partner and I dressed up as... Uh, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. You guess who was whom? And uh, I had a I had a great time. Honestly, man, I'm in a I'm in a good mood today. I'm in a good mood this week. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, I listener, this probably won't mean anything for the listeners, but uh, the on November first was my was five years that I've been a contributor at AIPT Comics. Five years. That's crazy. isn't that nuts? It's a chunk of time. I know, I know. It all started with a review of Nightwing meets Megilla Gorilla, and here we are. <laughs> the nonsense continued on for the absolutely, whole time man. Yeah, no, right. I'm I'm stoked to be here uh, to talk about comics. How are you doing? Good, good. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild week for me. Uh, yeah, work wise and, and 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 all all the rest. But uh, mm. I'm also very excited, and uh, you know. We have some pretty cool plans uh, lined yeah. up. Uh, we're going to be talking about Spider-Woman next week with Steve Fox, for instance. Heck yeah. And I keep <laughs> crossing my fingers and toes that our 250th episode guest can make it. Uh, but uh, we will see. We will see. If not, hey. we'll just juke and do something else. <laughs> Send some good energy. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, then yeah, we'll figure out something also fun. Maybe... Uh... Maybe we'll like eat fire live on the air. <laughs> we'll uh, just do shots. We keep talking about doing a, a drinking sh- episode, but that's we always, true. We We've record never this done way, it. way too early. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's Saturday morning at like nine a.m. We're just getting <laughs> shit hammered. Do you um, do you ever look at lava and think that mm. looks delicious? Mm. It looks like it has a good chew. It does. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I don't yeah. know about the flavor. I mean, it looks a little charred for me. I don't like burned food too much. I was trying to explain this to my girlfriend's kid the other day, and mm. she has more sense than I do because mm. she was looking at me like I was absolutely out of my mind. <laughs> she just has better logic, I guess. I guess. She's like, what do you mean? What do you mean you want to eat it? And I was like, I don't really want to. It's just uh... I do think it looks like the best dessert. You know what? I feel like this is a call out to anyone writing Superman. Please mm. let him eat lava in the next couple months. It's 2023. Let Superman <laughs> eat lava. Do you think Matter Eater Lad could eat lava? Yes, it's matter. Well, but it's so he's hot. <laughs> he's still made of flesh. <laughs> oh, that's that true. He eats of. metal. Like, wouldn't that break his teeth? Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. Huh. I don't know. These are the questions we ask ourselves on the APT Comics Podcast. Absolutely. Where we recap the biggest news of the week, we review our favorite comics. We have special guests, too. This week, Rob Williams and Pi Parr join us to talk about Petrolhead. Woo. It's out next week, the first issue. And uh, we really like the issue. We really like talking to these guys. It's um, a blast. It, it's it's 2000 AD meets Speed Racer mm-hmm. uh, meets Chappie, but like in a good way. <laughs> I, I, I like I, parts of Chappie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I. it's a great first issue. Sets up some fun mysteries. Uh, yep. has some truly, like, Pi is a mad genius with these, like, vehicle designs, 
And as you'll learn in the interview, a lot of the a lot of the creative process was what would look cool here. And yeah. you know what? I'm down. I, I love it. Um, and also, I kind of I think I kind of blew their minds with uh, the mm. cartoon character that their lead reminded me of. Yes. So that was yes. a fun bit. <laughs> go go listen to it and let us know what the cartoon character is, so we know you listened. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's a right. bit of a test. <laughs> no, it was pretty cool that they were like. Holy crap! You're so right. What the hell? We never thought of that. Uh, that's yeah. that's not the first time that's happened with you and a, and a guest. Well, I I also I have mind reading powers that I don't oh, really talk about a whole lot. Right. But yeah, but you can only read their deepest darkest thoughts that they can't necessarily vocalize. They just know. Yeah. Deep down. And and only through Zoom and only if they're in the UK. <laughs> and only on the AFT Comics podcast. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. Well, let's get to the news. And mm-hmm. there's some, some biggies in here that definitely shook people up. One of them is later in the news. <laughs> I actually held it a little bit later. But to start, uh-huh. uh, this is uh, this is some shocking bit of news. Rob Liefeld's Captain America Heroes Reborn cover is up for auction on and, Heritage. And yes, yeah. it's the one you're thinking of. It's the, <laughs> it's the infamous side shot. Uh, I mean, possibly the most... One of the most famous pieces of comic art of all time, uh, for mm-hmm. better and for worse. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah, the it, one his, where his, the one where Captain America looks like a brick fucking house. <laughs> his chest is like a shelf, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super awkward and strange. They went with it, of course. It was mm-hmm. emblazoned on a comic cover. It's been emblazoned elsewhere in in uh, trade paperbacks, and mm-hmm. it's been lampooned left and right for the decades it's been out. <laughs> and you know what, Dave? I, I did not know this until reading your piece about this on AAPTcomics.com, but the the photo reference for this image was a shot of Arnold Schwarzenegger flexing. Yes, and his chest very much is like a shelf. It's sticking it, it, out. It, it makes this cover almost make sense to me. Almost is a great word because... <laughs> Cap is standing in such a way that his shoulders are are impossibly not aligned with his chest and stomach. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whereas if you look at the Arnold shot, he's clearly twisted a little, but we can't see his left shoulder. So I guess Rob didn't think to draw it. I don't know. I mean, he he looks like it looks like the 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 lights have just come up at the opera, and he's (laughs) Captain America is about to begin an aria. He's taking in a deep breath, raising his shield. Yeah, Uh, this is the beginning of Rogers the musical. Yeah, it, it's uh, and you know what I don't I don't feel I don't feel too bad making fun of this. Um, I I, yeah. I try to be a very positive person, but this sure. is a very silly piece. And uh, yeah, so yes, it is up for auction on Heritage, and as of it, this record, it's, up to it's skyrocketed thousand dollars. It was at eight almost all week, and then it skyrocketed in the last yeah. uh, forty eight hours. Yeah. No, you you sent this to me. I think on. Tuesday, and you were like, should I? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean, should I? I don't have this, that kind of money. <laughs> this thing is going to end up going for more than I make in a year, for sure. It has 13 days left, so you mm-hmm. know, even in the last 24 hours, it'll probably jump another five, ten thousand. 10,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see, we'll see. And uh, we have something cooking at AFT. I'm not sure if we'll be able to pull it off around mm. this art, but we'll see, and I'm really excited to see if we can pull it off. But uh, we're not buying yes. it. <laughs> We're not we're buying gonna have, it, but we're going to have Captain America on the show. We we may or may not have some coverage on this that no one else will, but we Ooh. also have coverage on X Men every single week that no one else will because we have X Men Monday That's by right. Chris Hassan, who's a fantastic columnist. Uh, he's inching closer to two fifty, like we are. Yeah, and uh, wow, there is you more guys stuff heard him, him to talk about last week, crushing it as a, as a guest host. Yeah, 
Yeah, he was great. We had a lot of fun and uh, yeah, yeah. definitely joked a lot. <laughs> we we always go in and we're like, "Oh, look, there's not a lot of news. We'll we'll be we'll be done in 30 minutes." And then we after a 55-minute record, <laughs> we're like, "How did that happen?" Yeah, yeah. But uh, some more news for him to cover on his column. Mm-hmm. X-Men Forever was announced. This is Kieran mm-hmm. Gillen uh, writing, and it has an insane cover by Mark Brooks with uh, Jean Grey in her green costume laying in a, a pool, a splattering of blood that's made up like the phoenix. Yeah, that's, it's uh, a striking image for sure. <laughs> She's like loving it, and that's scary. Uh, I don't know what that means, but the solicit does say Haunted House of X, so maybe yeah. it gets quite dark. Well, and I, I'm curious how long we're going to, and you know, sort of milk the idea that the Krakoa age is over, you know, because there's, yeah, this is like the fifth book I think we've had announced within the, like the last week where it's like, and it's a, it's an epilogue to, you know, Immortal mm. X-Men. And I'm just like, yeah, all of this is <laughs> like, everything <laughs> that comes true. out from now on is, but um, I don't know. This is a great creative team. We've got Luca Maresca on art. Uh, and yeah, this is, uh, I mean, I look, I've been very, uh, intrigued with everything they've done with Jean Grey recently. So, uh, yeah, more, yeah, more Jean Grey exploration is cool for me. Yeah. It says here, how can you kill a digital God, a digital God? That's interesting. That's interesting, right? I wonder what the, what's going on. I mean, I assume that's about the Phoenix, but we'll see. Yeah. Maybe tantalizing stuff but it's another four issue mini and that's another thing that's kind of interesting about this era of x-men right now fall of x i think a lot of them are five or six issues Mm -hmm. and then they right after fall of x everything is four issues uh cable uh dead x-men by steve fox and so it's almost like they've got these mini fillers because we are on the cusp of the uh, editor changing guard Mm -hmm. at x-men tom brevard's taking over for jordan white and uh, likely uh, a very big shift, possibly away from Krakoa. We don't know yet. So we'll see. I mean, we're already starting to see a little bit of that. You know, Logan is off anywhere else other than, you know, where he can be found. <laughs> yeah. He's already uh, left Krakoa. He's gone. He's done. You know, He's done with uh, it. Nightcrawler uh, is in New York hanging out Being as Spider-Man. the uncanny Spider Man. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it'll be in, in, you know, Bobby's kind of become a globe trotting hero. So it's, it's kind of neat to see. As much as I, I hate that the X-Men have been scattered to the winds like this, I think every creative team is, is you know, coming up with interesting things for them to do rather mm-hmm. than, you know, it all just be like, oh, I'm in hiding. I can't be seen, you know. Right. Uh, it's, right it, yeah. There's still good superhero stories that play with the reality of we are a people who are being hunted. What's fascinating is it doesn't feel like they're building up towards getting an edge on Orcus or how they'll even I know Orcus. Yeah. We have seen some unlettered previews of like Cyclops being on trial. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's going to be the catalyst to finally. I'm going. I'm assuming they're going to have to st- stop Orcus before the switch to the new editor and era. Right. But we'll see. Uh, speaking of new eras, Black Widow yeah. got a symbiote now, and that's right. She's got a new a team up book, a, another four issue uh, series, launching in March, just like uh, for X Men Forever, and it mm-hmm. is by Stephanie Phillips, Paolo Villanella. It's called Black Widow and Hawkeye. Hey, uh, I, I saw so many Hawk, Hawkeye stands. So freaking happy. They've been dying because he's not been in anything for something like seven months. It's been a minute. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, we, we've had some really great miniseries here and there with Hawkeye. And uh, but it, yeah, it, it feels like he's really fallen into the background, uh, which is a bummer. Mm-hmm. And I'm really fascinated by what they're doing with Black Widow and the Venom book right now. Uh, so the idea of having 
this that dovetail directly into a you know big action set piece driven miniseries is really cool. I like the idea too of these team ups. They've done it a couple times uh-huh. in the last ten years, and they're always fun and mm-hmm. allows the writer to kind of play with the, the their dynamic while dropping them into a, an easy to read story that you don't have to know like seventy years of canon to get. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Uh, also released this week from Marvel Comics was Peach Momoko's X-Men Backup, which premiered yeah. in Ultimate Universe number one that came out, but they gave it away for free. It was only a two-pager, but mm-hmm. Nano Man, people are very curious about this. After they announced Peach is taking over uh, Ultimate X-Men uh, later in 2024, and we're getting our first taste, so to speak, uh-huh. of what she'll be up to, and it gets freaking weird, man. It gets, it gets weird <laughs> immediately, and I, I love it. Um... We are going to be getting a very, very different take on armor and 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 the X Men canon. I think she has like an ingrown hair. <laughs> uh, if you go to Aptcomics.com, you can see the art for yourself. But it pulls out this hair, and it's almost it's like a goopy armor. Yeah, uh, it's mini, de- not even attached it's like to like a doll. Long, yeah, so gross. I have literally had a moment in high school with a zit on my face in the mirror at school, and so this just mm-hmm. shook me. I was like, Oh, my oh God, who has brought me back Absolutely. to the terror. Um, which is kind of cool, right? Because it, yeah. it appears as though Peach is going to be playing around with X-Men at this younger, youthful age, which we really haven't had since they brought back the original five X-Men when Ben yeah. did that, like, I don't know, what, eight years ago, six years ago? So, yeah, I'm very tantalized by this. I wonder mm-hmm. how fans will take it, though, those folks that are like, where's Rogue? She's not on the team? Then I hate this book. <laughs> but we'll yeah, see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I feel like since it's sort of standing on its own, maybe mm-hmm. there'll be a little bit more uh, open-mindedness, but, uh, you know, we'll find yeah, out. We will. We sure will. We sure will. I know folks are excited for the, the Ultimate Universe. I would say mm-hmm. Ultimate Spider-Man is probably the most uh, anticipated Gosh, book. I can't tell you how much I am looking forward to that book. And I, I don't know, man. I just, I worry about expectations, although it seems like people really liked Ultimate Universe, even though I was mm-hmm. a little sour on it myself, but. Uh, I love yeah. the concept. I love the domed city aspect. I think, um, I think one thing that is not being super well communicated maybe through uh-huh. marketing is, I, I, is that this is not the original Ultimate Universe, right? Like I right. think. You know, I've seen I, I confused for sure. I, I do think if someone picks up Ultimate Spider-Man, you know, in February, thinking, "Oh, I'm, you know, oh, I'm continuing this book I used to love," it's they're going to be very confused. But you know, that's kind of why we had Ultimate Invasion. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how this pays off. I do feel like maybe the launch of the full line is coming a little bit later than it should. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also get that it's yeah, a gamble slow, to slow to come out with a brand new line in December. Uh, moving on to our next bit of news, Vault Comics and Athon mm. are partnering to publish new comics, ebooks, audiobooks, and graphic novels. Hell yeah! This is an interesting partnership. Um, Athon has a bunch of web comics out already, so mm-hmm. um, they I think this partnership is going to be fruitful for both. They're not; it's not just one taking from the other. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's vice versa, uh, which is fascinating. And Vault, of course. Um, been on the scene for a couple only a couple of years now and they put out only a, maybe two or three books a month um all quality though see, yeah it's exciting to see maybe they'll i mean they've got slash on their payroll now <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah um it's exciting to see something uh, a company this small kind of do mm-hmm. these partnerships because that means they're only going to flourish if these books sell so what i think will be really interesting is they they do mention 
specifically vaults uh, uh damien wassell mentions i we can't imagine better folks to partner with to expand our catalog into ebook and audiobook publishing than the team mm-hmm. at athon so that mm-hmm. tells me maybe in the next year we'll get like a barbaric audio drama or something like that right. like i i would love right. to hear something like that yeah the audiobook aspect's really fascinating mm-hmm. and i mean they already have folks that are in hollywood working on their vault books so you know yeah Hop, skip, and a jump, and all of a sudden we've got a barbaric movie. <laughs> no, this is a this is a very good uh, this is a very good partnership. I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of this. Uh, supposedly early next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of partnerships, DC mm. Comics is partnering with smaller versions of comics. <laughs> yep, that they're partnering with them. <laughs> <laughs> I did that on purpose to make it bad. Anyway, uh, this is probably the biggest news of the week for a lot of people. I'm stoked about this. I saw a lot this. of people so excited. DC is uh, going to be putting out DC Compact Comics. That's the official name mm-hmm. of graphic novels. It's starting in June 2024. They're only $9.99. It's going to be smaller, digest sort of size. Not quite digest, mm-hmm. but smaller size for smaller hands. Marvel's been doing this with two different formats for a few years now, mm-hmm. so it's cool to see DC getting in on this idea because a mm-hmm. lot of people are talking about how there's a one there's a big reason why manga is so popular. The smaller yeah. size and yeah. lengthier page count is like ideal for these younger readers who are like going to school or on the Definitely. road or whatever. Yeah, and, and we've got a great lineup of of books that they're starting with. I mean, some of them. I'm a little iffy on being like anybody's entryway into graphic novels. Uh, like, <laughs> sure. I don't think Watchmen should be the first book that it, anybody. I love Watchmen. Oh, it should not be true. like where you start with comics. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, we got the Court of Owls, All Star Superman, Far Sector, uh, Wonder Woman, yeah. Earth One, which I think is a, a fascinating choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, American Vampire Book One, Batman Hush, uh, Azarello and Bermeo's Joker. Harley Quinn and the Gotham City Sirens, which appears to be uh, uh, like an anthology of several different eras of Harley Quinn stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fantastic Catwoman, Trail of the Catwoman by Darwin Cook and Ed Brubaker. Uh, th- this is like such a powerhouse opening lineup and they're $9.99 right. each. Right, right. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. Uh, you yeah. made a good point about Watchmen and Wonder Woman. It's like, huh, is that really where you want folks to start? But uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I'm sure Watchmen will sell really well with all ages. Of oh them. yeah, this is I mean, just for young readers. This is also the best possible time to put out a more accessible, cheaper version of All Star Superman because that mm. is mm-hmm. that is what. You know, the, the the book that James Gunn has referenced more than any other in creating his Superman True. legacy script. So I feel like that that's going to be like a go to for so many people next year. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But really, really cool to see Far Sector on here. Uh, yeah. One of the newest. Just such an interesting here. choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was a little surprised they didn't do like Batman, uh, Batman Returns, uh, Frank Miller's book. Oh, Dark Knight Returns. Uh, Dark Knight yeah. Returns. Yeah. Uh, but but then I'm like, maybe they thought that would confuse people because it's not like mainline Batman and Batman Hush is more mainline Batman than that. Sure. And of course, Court of Owls too. But uh, I don't know. It's such a classic. It's like up there with Watchmen as a classic, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, these are these are interesting and great picks. I think uh, I think this is a great move by them too. Obviously, it's working yeah. for other publishers to put out these smaller sized formats, but also to put out more accessible classics, um, mm-hmm. which DC hasn't really done. Whereas <laughs> there's like 14 different ways to buy the first run of Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Literally. Cause they've got not, like Tash. Not even, got... yeah, I was about to say not even all from Marvel. <laughs> yeah. 
And and then they've got their epic collections. They've got their. Yeah. Uh, it's just un- it's unreal how many times they've repackaged their own titles. So for DC to kind of start doing that, because honestly, they really just put out their new stuff in yeah. trade. Oh, they and have I'll their own pieces, of course. But when I was uh, a kid, like the I really truly got into comic books reading digest size magazines and 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 reissues like i had this collection of like the best stories of 1976 and ah, you know uh-huh. like the my my dad had collected all of these digest size reprints over the years i had one that was just all sergeant rock and one that was doctor hmm. strange and like the original run and mm-hmm. uh so i i don't know i it's very cool to me that a a new uh, a new generation is going to experience that kind of gateway into uh, mainstream, you know, big two comics. Gateway is a nice word, right? Because like all star yeah, Superman totally. will be a gateway to these other ones. Someone will probably, yeah. oh, you know, the idea too with all the same cover treatment. Mm-hmm. Someone will go in and go, oh, I saw James Gunn talk about all star Superman. Oh, I'll buy right. that, and then they buy that, and then they go, I'll get these two as well. Yeah, probably part of the plan. I mean, that's smart. Yeah, it's all have part a unified of the vision. Plan. <laughs> Speaking of uh, collecting comics, DC... What's that? I was like, plans? I don't know. Speaking of collecting comics, DC is putting together a 64-page Wonder Woman Outlaw issue. This is Mm -hmm. combining Wonder Woman number one and number two by Tom King and Daniel Samper. And it's also including eight pages of the third issue, which will come out on the 21st. Mm. This will come out on the 28th. So... That's a little backwards, isn't it? But <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I guess uh, the idea is you pick up Outlaw to catch up to three, uh, yeah. and then maybe you, dra- you grab three as Ho- well. Hopefully, you get three, even though one and two have sold out. <laughs> so that the oh, sorry, it's a nine-page preview of Wonder Woman number three. Mm. But here's the thing: this is probably why they did it. Maybe this is mm. just me being insane. But sixty-four pages probably easier to sell it for a certain price. So sure. they'd have to pad it out a little bit to get that number up. But yeah, no, this is cool. This is a good sign that, I mean, both Wonder Woman mm-hmm. 1 and number 2 have sold out. Mm-hmm. So to put out this cool, and this is the first time DC's done stuff like this. They did it with right. um, DC vs. Vampires even. Right. Uh, this is a great way to be like, hey, you missed out on the first two issues? Well, here you go. Here's a, and, here's another option. And honestly, six ninety nine for this is not bad at all. I, no. I'm, I'm still... I'm still feeling out this run personally, but I yeah. uh, I I think this is really a really cool way to get people on board if they miss the first two issues. Yeah, we have uh, access to the three. I'm gonna have to read that. I've I've liked the first two issues, but it is mm-hmm. it is slow in a sense. I'm I'm still trying to figure out what their scope is, but that's yeah, kind of common with uh, mm-hmm. first story arcs too. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it for news. In our next segment, top books of the week, we're gonna talk about our top two favorite comics. Out this, this week. week. I like to draw it out because I've said it 246 times. Sure. So. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. I want you to know I believe it. I believe what I say. Um, what is your second favorite book of the week? My second favorite book of the week was Blood Commandment, number one by uh, Simon Kudransky. Uh This is a uh, horror family drama, uh, <laughs> a, a, a very slow burn. It's a very interesting start to a book because it it's it's very very much focused on character you look at the front cover and you're like oh my god this is monster mm. action all the time and instead it's a you know very uh quiet contemplative story about a father and a son who live out in, in isolation in the woods then the dad won't let his kid like go to school or hang out with friends and it you know the, the, it starts to build this really interesting mystery 
And even though, like, even if you, the book's not particularly interested in keeping the answer from you, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, probably from looking at the front cover that this is a vampire story. Um, But the the way that the story uh, unfolds is, is fascinating. It takes its time. Uh, makes some really interesting choices. There's a there's a full section of the book where this father and son just have a conversation about faith and God and and wondering, you know, what the point is in being a good person. And that feels like a, an idea that's going to drive much of the storytelling here. There's an unease throughout. The artwork is absolutely gorgeous and haunting. And he... Kudronsky uses makes such great use of empty space in a lot of these panels, either through shadow or through showing how much of a distance the father keeps from you know other people because he doesn't trust himself. Um, I it's it's fantastic. I there's a there's an odd little a narrative aspect where there is a narrator that I don't know that we actually uh, hmm. uh, meet. Uh, so it, it, it's, uh, there's, there's a couple of odd, you know, odd little choices here and there, but, uh, this just really grabbed my attention. I read it like sort of on a whim, you know, like mm-hmm. one of those were like, oh, that's a cool title. Let me check yeah. that out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just was immediately engrossed by this story. I love the, uh, cover treatment. It's almost like a movie poster, but not at yeah, the same time. Definitely. But yeah, the, there's something, the there's something insane. classic about it. Yeah. And the, and the, the monster in the background that's mm. like pulp horror novel, like written all over it. Well, so so what grabbed me was it reminded me of the poster for Fright Night, the original Fright Night, uh, where you've got like the yeah. vampire face in the clouds and stuff yeah. like that. But uh, de- decidedly different vibe, but uh, huh. still still a blast. Nice. And you got yeah. your spooky on. That's good. I did. Man, I got my spooky <laughs> on in both of my favorite books this week. So I, I don't know, man. I, I, Halloween, Halloween never ends. <laughs> it is interesting. I was talking to a friend about this, like... Mm. Almost all the Halloween comics have already come out the week of Halloween. Sure. And, uh, I mean, obviously they want to, like, get people buying them up for that Halloween vibe mm-hmm. early. But there wasn't a ton of Halloween titles out this week. Although, of course, New Comic Book Day was Wednesday, which was the first. You know what's interesting? I was I was reading this article the other day. It may have been on Slash Film. Um, but they were talking about how... You know, we were everybody was so annoyed about all of the horror movies dropping in the summertime, right? Like mm. there were all of these mm-hmm. movie, like uh, big studios especially were were putting out horror movies in June and July. I mean, even like the new uh, Hercule Poirot film came mm-hmm. out in like August or something like that, and it's it's definitely because they were able to time it out so that all of those movies would be streaming <laughs> and on demand in October. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know what? It worked. <laughs> you know, meanwhile, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, I think it blew sure. up because it was like the only horror movie in the theater besides like Exorcist 3 or whatever. Essentially, yeah. Um, that and just that movie is such a weird phenomenon because I, know. It, I mean, it's a, it's one it's it's, you know, it is a perfect example of gateway horror. Uh, the, mm. the games are. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't seen the movie yet, but it's so fascinating to me that the. The mo- it, it it was day and date also on uh, Peacock. Yes, which and is probably a bad sign for Peacock that it made so much money in the theater. Well, it just means it Peacock. just means that the fans still showed up for it. I mean, that's it's, true. Part of that is that it's PG thirteen, so that opens it up to a much wider right. audience. But mm-hmm. uh, 
yeah, just uh, what a what a wild thing. It really is. I, I was looking into the history of it after I told you I was watching it, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a video game first. We're gonna get sequels for sure. That movie made over a hundred million dollars. So it made its move. It apparently made its budget back in like marketing ahead of time. Like David even Bloom before it opened. must be so freaking rich. <laughs> oh, Jason, J- Jason? Or Jason Bloom, yeah. yeah, the, yeah. The Bloomhouse uh, yeah. owner. Like, And I, 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 you think about it now, it's like, it's such a yeah. no-brainer to just launch $20 million horror <laughs> movies, but that are yeah. original and good ideas, not just, mm. you know, Freddy versus Jason 7. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, let's talk about my second favorite pick of the week, which is not yeah. scary at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my second favorite pick of the week was the most ridiculous, silly, over-the-top, mm. uh, like, I wanted to say Zoinks while reading it kind of book. Uh, it's <laughs> Spider-Boy number one by Dan Slott and Paco Medina. Mm-hmm. I just had so much fun with the goofiness of this book, which, of course, I admit is not for everyone. Um, of course, with the you know edgelord vibes of Amazing Spider-Man in the last two years, at times, not always, but uh, <laughs> uh, I just love the fancy-free fun of this. Um, it definitely gives you a certain vibe that Spider-Man has given in different eras. Mm-hmm. And I like this aspect of exploring monsters. Um, we find out more about Spider-Boy's origin. Of course, we don't still don't know really enough to get uh, uh-huh. an opinion on it. Because it's still being drawn out. But of course that's on purpose. Um, but there's some really goofy villains in here. Uh, seeing Spider-Boy fight an elephant. Or sorry. Uh, yeah, an elephant man. Mm-hmm. And the puns Dan Slott comes up with. Actually took me a second to get one of them. I was like, <laughs> what the hell does he mean with this? And then I figured it out. And I was like, oh, you bastard. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, I, uh, it's yeah, it's so funny. I, I was... I, I had a fun time with this first issue, and the, but the thing that really struck me was yeah. that, like, they come out of the gate with a f- almost a full rogues gallery for Spider Boy. I, I yeah. just <laughs> could not believe they do, including Ty Templeton's backup, which oh has my gosh. a balloon man who yeah. weaponizes the Thanksgiving Day parade or whatever parade it was. Yeah, so outrageous, and Squirrel Girl's there, which makes it even more ridiculous mm-hmm. and silly. Like. I don't know. We don't have a lot of comics like this out right now. And I, I tend to do that with the top two. I'm like, oh, we don't have enough of this. Let's let's yeah. look this up. Um, no, I know it's, a lot. It's, it's yeah. fully a feel-good, fun yeah. issue. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And I, it's almost something like DC was really good at, too, with mm-hmm. different books like Plastic Man and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some people hate Spider-Boy. I know a lot <laughs> of people love Spider-Boy. I think, I think people need to chill. <laughs> it's a concept that if it doesn't sell, guess what? Spider-Boy will go out of existence in a second. It's only yeah. because people are buying that it's doing well. So let Dan Slott cook. Let him just be silly and do whatever he wants. I mean, the guy's yeah, done why not? so much for Spider-Man in the, in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Uh, this is just another iteration of Spider-Man, like Superior Spider-Man. It's like another take. Yeah. Re- real, cool. real talk, how long do you think we have to wait until Spider-Boy teams up with Rec Rap? <laughs> oh, man, that'd be really... For the for the best issue of the year, <laughs> <laughs> that would that would be oh like if they did like an April Fool special that would be amazing. Oh man, Spider Boy um, and Red Crap. I do wonder. I bet you Spider Boy will be in Spider Man Three Insomniac's third Spider Man because it seems like they take a lot from Dan Slott um, so far. Yeah, I mean the 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 narratives on those games are are written by or partially written by Christos Gage and you yeah. know he you know he loves. 
you know Dan's contributions too, and so mm-hmm. like there, yeah, there's a lot of that DNA for sure. It's, I, man, I put I put a bunch more hours into Spider Man Two this week, and I love it. I, I love uh, it. I put I put about seven last night. I I literally yeah. am just do I did I completed every side mission, and I uh-huh. held off on the main mission beating it. Uh, <laughs> I'm like trying to draw it out a little bit because I know it's a shortish kind of game in the modern you, era of gaming. You know what's so funny is I I I was saying this to uh, to my friend Ryan the other day, but like I I was like I've put like 15 hours into this game and I haven't seen the symbiote yet. So like that <laughs> okay. tells you that tells you like how much I'm enjoying just like fucking yeah. around in New York and. I like. I don't know how this game makes me care about dumb open world side missions. Like I know, I'm like I am literally playing a game where Miles Morales is helping someone propose to their homecoming date. Oh, I, I just did that I'm, one last night, and I'm so invested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it's the voice acting partly, and I think it's great the, cast. The yeah, CGI. You know, the cutscenes are are the acting in those are really good too. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, there's some limitations, but I'm really impressed with the acting in this I game. I think Yuri Lowenthal is my favorite Peter Parker. Like, I, I just, mm. I think I think he's great. I love that they are leaning into his bad jokes um, when yes. doing missions with him and stuff. Like, that is an aspect we just don't get enough of in the comics, even. I agree. But, yeah, it's, go play Spider-Man 2. It's, it's a lot of fun. Have fun. Uh, but what is your favorite book of the week? Man, I loved Canary Number One by Scott Snyder and Dan Panosian. Uh, I love a western, and yeah. I love a spooky western in particular. And <laughs> this is a really interesting first issue uh, where uh, this m- this marshal is called to a little town during uh, Gold Rush era, and he's been called in to investigate this murder. And the murderer is a child who mm. seem who his parents are like he's not who he used to be. Something has changed about him. And uh, as as uh, Marshall Holt, in be- who who is also a dime novel hero, people have written like cleaned up versions of his exploits. Uh, right, right. Which I, I I think that's such a fascinating uh, element to the story. He's. He, he begins to flash back to an encounter with this psychotic murderer who had been stealing children in the prairies. And, uh, and there may be something supernatural going on in the background of the story because he's trying to basically figure out is evil an infection? Like is, you know, what, what is, what is causing this to happen? Why does this child know things about me that he can't know? Uh, mm. yeah, it's it's great. The and the lettering by Richard Starkings is fantastic. There's mm-hmm. some really interesting stuff done with different tonalities, and you can literally like. <laughs> I love when I can look at lettering and be like, "Oh my god, that guy has a scary voice that I'm reading." You know, <laughs> uh, right, right. But I, I, I just, I, I love, I love the ideas that he's playing with here, and and the fact that nice. like, you know, uh, sometimes. Sometimes we write these bits of fiction to uh, cover up the ugliness of of truth and the fact that Holt Mm. is sort of running away from his own myth uh, and possibly just doing one last job uh, that that might that he might not even want to come back from because he's seen too much. Uh, There's 
just a lot of great stuff at play here. I truly don't know. I know I know Scott writes a lot of stuff at, like in advance. Like he's already got as you know, he's already got probably like 10 books for next year that he's written at this point. <laughs> probably. Um, but I I don't know how he has consistently put out new so many new books this year and all of them have been so different and so like well written and so like mm. well thought out and thematically rich. Um, like, I think, I don't know, they're, 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 we'll revisit this in our best of at the end of the year, but like, I can't, I don't think anybody's doing it like Scott Snyder this mm. year. Yeah. His original stuff is, is always hitting. I mean, yeah. IDW too, this, uh, last yeah. week or this week, Dungeon came out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which was also really cool and fantastic. Innovative. He's with his, in, in his, um, creator on stuff. He's, he's mm-hmm. pairing himself with some really cutting edge artists. And that's uh, a like big Dan, part of it, right? Yeah. God, the art in Canary, man. The paint, the painterly quality and the shock yellow that's used it's, to the sky. It's, it's dusty. so cool. Everything's dusty. And, I, and like, I love it. He manages to capture that sort of like, like it, it the air almost chokes you looking yeah. at, at the artwork. I, I love it. Uh, I, I almost want Dan to do a Blood Meridian adaptation. I oh think my he gosh. could really knock it out of the park. Absolutely. <laughs> I um I reviewed this uh back in 2022 mm-hmm. uh, when it came out uh, from Comicsology because it was it's obviously it came out this week from Dark Horse uh-huh. in print for the first time, and I gave it a ten out of ten. I think this first issue is just so freaking good. It's so uh it's so good at capturing all of the elements and the complexity of the characters, and mm-hmm. then of course the vibe, like you're saying, like and the horror element too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I could totally see this as a really good like six episode show. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think I think westerns have kind of a life in TV. Um, look at Justified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're the book the, the, yeah. they're the movie that I kept coming back to. I mean, there's there's a little bit of old, No Country for Old Men kind of tone here, but mm. like I mm-hmm. the I kept thinking of like Bone Tomahawk. Oh and, God, I love that movie. Yeah, like uh, Blood Meridian's a great. Uh, is is a, is a great comparison as well. I would love to see a movie version of that, even though the book is so perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite book of the week was Detective mm-hmm. Comics number 1076 by Rom V, Dan Waters, Jason Sean Alexander, Liam Sharp, Christopher Minton, and Rom V. Wait, what? Twice? Boy, yes, that's right. I know. He draws a two-page com- uh, comic backup in the, in, the, in the end of this issue, which is fantastic, but... Uh, I just, I just, this is the first, uh, issue of a, I think it's a 12 part weekly or bi-weekly, sorry, bi-weekly, uh, story arc. Mm-hmm. And it just comes out swinging with the visual style by Sean Alexander is amazing. Like mm-hmm. the, it just reminds me of so many different classic art, like even Bill Sinkowitz a little bit. Like yeah. the vibe is like, he's like a gargoyle in a cell when we, when we first meet uh, Batman in this issue. And he, I, uh, yeah, he's a he's a captive in, in the depths of Arkham. I have a feeling Rum and and Dan Waters would uh, appreciate this comparison, but I uh-huh. a a Batman book hasn't made me feel like this since I was reading Legends of the Dark Knight in the nineties. Oh. Like it yeah, has sure. a very like it, I don't know it has a very kind of similar intentionality and a risk in terms of tone and visual style. I I. I don't know. There, there was something very, very classic, like you said, uh, about the, this whole issue. I fuck, uh, man, I loved this issue. It was very <laughs> difficult not to also put it in my top books. 
Yeah, there's so just a quick refresher if you're mm-hmm. uh, new it, and this is, you could jump in on this one too. Batman's basically a captive, and there's like a demon inside of his head that should be taking over him and killing him, uh, but mm-hmm. he, of course, Batman is such a stubborn little guy, and he can't <laughs> he can't let that happen. So no, it's not cute like that at all. It's very dark and macabre, and. Um, Meanwhile, Catwoman is trying to help him or save him, and there are a lot of guest appearances of classic rogues, and that's just the main story. Then there are backups uh, written by Dan Waters and Rom B. Uh, there's a question story. If you're unfamiliar with what the question's up to right now in DC, it's a pretty good way of mm-hmm. figuring that out. And um, there's a story also uh, written by Dan Waters with art by Liam Sharp that is got Israel. Uh, who is so awesome. He's just so awesome. The way he talks and everything, it's so cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's. I think the operatic vibe that Ram is going with since the start of Taking Over Detective is still alive and well. There's like a poetry to the visuals and the, the, the captions at times that is just unparalleled. It's, uh, it's really cool. It feels very unique and fresh and different while also calling back, like you said, to another mm-hmm. era of Batman that's just so good. So yeah, go check that out, and uh, we're about to talk about it again in our next segment, Standout Kapow! Moment of the Week? Yeah. Yes, that's right. Our favorite panel or page. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. If you go to aftcomics.com, right. you can see the art in full, because I know this is a podcast, so you can't see what we're mm-hmm. talking about, but uh, my favorite full-page spread was from yeah. Detective Comics number 1076 by Ron B. and Jason Sean Alexander. Uh, we've got Bat- Batman as a uh, young Bruce Wayne being held by Alfred, um, and in between them is a crazy bat, red and black, almost in tatters as if it's got a cape that's been strewn yeah. up like ribbon, and it's got its hand out holding back that demon that's trying to crush Bruce and take him over or whatever it's trying to do, and uh, it's just an epic page the way it's laid out. You understand the frailty of Bruce in the moment while also this red bat, this protector of, of his psyche is there holding, but only barely holding back this demon. It's such a cool page. Yeah, this is fantastic. There's so much, there's so much movement. Uh, and it also just like perfectly like the the layout perfectly illustrates how fractured Bruce's mind is at this point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's just a lot going on here. I I love it. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite moment of the week? Mine also came from Detective <laughs> Comics uh, 1076 uh, from one of the backups by Dan Waters and Liam Sharp. Uh, this uh, is this scene you were talking about with the aforementioned Azrael uh, putting together his suit, figuring out he's been trying to like crack back into the system, this sort of like... M- ancient kind of uh hypnosis method of learning this this it's it's sort of an an amorphous concept but i I, i've always been fascinated by it but this page in particular uh is him figuring out what he needs to do in order to become the soldier that he needs to be and we finally see what he's been working on And, and what i love is in this in this story uh liam sharp's been working with some uh, very vibrant colors, a lot of like sort of dust marks on everything, but very, very like every all the colors really pop. Uh, and we finally see what he's been working on. And in this really fascinating marriage of Sharp's different styles, mm-hmm. we see the classic 
a, a sort of cobbled together version of the the '90s Asbat armor in yeah. Sharp's more uh, computerized, uh, ver- very similar to what he was working on with um, Exo Manowar, a, a, a an almost mythical looking image of this hulking armor with the more traditional uh, uh, version of Azrael standing in the foreground. It, it, it is a yeah. striking image, and the the, the way that the two pieces uh, the, the two art styles play off of each other is so fascinating to me because it literally is like he's peering into hell like it's mm-hmm. this is a different world this is a a journey into darkness that we're gonna follow him on and uh it's man it's just one hell of a a page it, it immediately just like i i i think i pumped my fist when i saw it <laughs> <laughs> the the use of texture in that cgi kind of looking page or background there is so cool like the cowl looks like it looks like cloth almost Um, yeah i thought it was a scarf but it's it's because and if you look like all the different panels and everything they don't quite match up like the original asbat armor was very well it's a lot but it's also very sleek and they're like they're the pieces all fit together this one looks like he's literally you know, in a back alley, banged a bunch of pieces of metal together. You know? <laughs> right, right. Um, and I love that. Oh, man. It's a really cool page. Nice pick. Thanks, man. You too. Moving on to our top books for next week. We're going to talk about our most anticipated comics out next week. I can't wait for Zawa and our plus sign, The Belly mm-hmm. of the Beats number one by Michael Dylanis. Um I got to interview him a few weeks ago about mm-hmm. this. I'm just so excited. I've loved Michael's work since the time I started at AIPT, um, which I think is around when he kind of got, broke in too with Amala's Blade at Dark Horse. He's such a visionary with world building, and this time mm-hmm. he's writing and drawing, um, and he, typically he's only drawing. So visually, he's always creating these incredible worlds that you want to explore, and they have usually have like a YA kind of vibe, which this, this is a YA kind of vibe book. Um, dealing with environmental aspects um, on, on underneath it all. But uh, I, I can't wait to see the visual style uh, implored on this brand new world that he's invented. Yeah, no, this is I this one somehow was not on my radar until you put it on this list. And now I'm very excited to check it out. Totally. Yeah. What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to something that might be a little silly, but I'm very excited <laughs> about. Uh, what if Dark Tomb of Dracula number one by Marv Wolfman and David Cutler? Uh, look, you got Marv Wolfman writing Tomb of Dracula again. Like, what? How am I supposed to just ignore that? Like, <laughs> um, one of my favorite bonkers comic runs of all time. And uh, the 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 idea of him writing a, a what if story in which Dracula turns Blade into a full blooded vampire, I don't know if it's set during the original run or if this is a more modern story, but uh, I'm really excited. I've I've dug the the what if the more more recent what if issues, and I don't know. We've got a legendary creator returning to one of his most famous works, so I, I'm totally. I'm here for it. Yeah, I know he's really excited for it too. I yeah, he posted a it. yeah he posted a a picture of himself holding the first issue or the issue, so that was really cool. I have a hard copy in my hands right now. Oh man! Spoiler. Uh huh. Dracula's a Christ- in it. I think it's during Christmas. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> That's all I'll say. That's exciting. 
Uh, yeah, no, it's I, I'm 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 so I have, I love What If. I think it's one of the coolest mm-hmm. aspects or things that Marvel's ever done. I have almost mm-hmm. every. I think I have all of the uh, collections, and to see it could be back brought back. They seem to bring it back every couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just love it. I just and I just love that they're giving like classic creators like Marvel Wolfman a shot at trying something new and different. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to our next segment, judging by the cover. Junior. Insider look. Chris and I did that four times last week because he kept saying it wasn't good enough, and I cut out all of them <laughs> but one. He's like, I don't know, I don't know. And That's then he said so something good. like, That's so funny. Nathan better tell me if I did well or not. I was like, oh, we'll He see. did. No, it sounded great. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about our favorite cover art out next week. And mm-hmm. uh, I love the Riley Rossmo variant for Dark Ride number nine. Uh, I yeah. really like this series quite a bit. Um, I think I've quoted on the first trade even. But uh, this cover is so wild, man. Uh, again, go to AFGComics.com to see the cover in full. But... We've got Halloween, the character's name, uh, getting like dunked into the earth, and mm-hmm. it's the whole cover is slashed in half, and on the, underneath the earth we see her skeleton and demons like chewing at her, mm-hmm. and then above the earth she's freaking scared as hell, and she's in the amusement park. Meanwhile, there's like this yellow demon thing. I don't know if it's a ride, but it looks like it isn't because it's shooting out yellow stuff at people. Yeah, someone's jumping away from it. <laughs> <laughs> This is one of those covers that I picked because it's there's so much going on. I could sit here yeah. and look at it for like five minutes. Uh, it's so inventive. I love Riley Roswell's art when it's like fun like this and it's so fluid. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, this is a very cover I would definitely pick up. Great cover. What do you like? I really dug Arthur Sweetum's uh, Army of Darkness Forever number two cover. Um, it's it's pretty simple compared to yours, but it it made me uncomfortable, which I think is what great horror art does but we have a close-up of ash williams screaming and his face is sort of distorted almost like the classic uh the scream Mm. uh Mm -hmm. and uh sort of pulling to the side but uh what's really striking about this is that all of his teeth are little skulls uh, (laughs) with eyeballs and shocked expressions and they're all kind of looking off in different directions and to me one, I just love, I love the, 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 the paint quality of, on this image. Like it looks like Ash has just like seen some shit. I love the, uh, the strained expression, but, uh, it, this to me is like the perfect intersection of like what makes evil dead work is the sort of uncomfortability and silliness in the most horrific thing you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. I think this, this cover's so rad. I like how both our covers are like Halloween-y. Yeah. A little late. Little late. We're, you know what? You can, <laughs> I always joke about Halloween month. It's Halloween year. Let's be honest. People are going to see the thumbnail for this episode and they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Why are they so late? <laughs> well, uh, that's it for Judging by the Cover Junior. In our next segment, in our last segment, mm. join us as Rob Williams and Pi Parr talk all about Petrolhead with us. It's super fun. Enjoy. So on with us is Rob Williams and Pi Parr to talk about Petrolhead. It's out November 8th. Thank you so much for being on the AFT Comics Podcast. Thanks, Alex. You know, let's just hit brass tacks here. What is the fascination with fast cars and racing in our world's culture? Do you know the answer to that <laughs> question? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not the right person to ask that. I don't think I'm a particularly sort of typical uh, car fan. You know, I'm not the sort of person who wear a giant anorak and watch the Formula One. That doesn't interest me. <laughs> yeah, doesn't doesn't interest me very much. But um, I do. You're, like... the, you're the car racing of the two of us, right? Yeah. No, I, I'm not saying I don't like it, but yeah, uh, yeah I'm kind of more <laughs> of a old cars and you know old engines and sure. I mean, we, we, and breaking just down. before just before we hit record, you showed us a box of cars that you have <laughs> <laughs> sitting right behind you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's all right. I like I like them in the abstract rather than mm, uh, yeah. interesting. Uh, that's that's not that's not true. I do I do like them, but no, I, I couldn't speak for the world as to why they like it. Do, do you two particularly sort of you ever go watching any racing or doing anything stuff like that? You know, I'm I'm sort of in the same boat. I I. It, it's funny i'm 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 a hot wheels guy but i'm not really right. like interested in watching real cars if you yeah. if you hand me a lego aston martin set i'll put it together that's about <laughs> that's about my level of car fandom but it's usually tied to pop mm-hmm. culture in some way i love a batmobile i love a you know a james bond car you know stuff like that but uh yeah it and i and i love them in film and entertainment but <laughs> I went to see um, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon this afternoon. Oh, and yeah. The trailer was the Michael Mann Ferrari film was on. Mm-hmm. And, oh, sure. Uh, and that looks great. Yeah, yeah it does. Just, like, so there's something about those slightly sort of primitive looking racing cars where it looks mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. everyone who was in one was risking their life actually just right. driving. Yeah, that looks. No, I think that's romantic. the most, that's certainly the sort of most romantic era of it where you, yeah. Yeah. you can't look cool in that car, couldn't you, really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, you you either look cool or you're, you know, there's always, yeah, there's an element of danger to it, right? That's why Fast and the Furious is so popular, right? The danger. <laughs> sure. When they break the physics oh, yeah. of everything. The, well, the, the difference between the reality of Fast and the Furious and the sort of film, though, is quite large. I remember me and my brother went to see that film at the cinema and uh, mm-hmm. never seen so many teenagers in Vauxhall Novas revving up at the traffic lights <laughs> Oh, really? Absolutely wow. pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I've, I've somehow never seen a Fast and the Furious film, but I, I am aware the first film is kind of like a grounded street racing thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by Fast and the Furious 10, they're leaping off cliffs to land on the wings of, 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 of fighter jets or something. I'm not entirely sure what's going on. It would truly be like if there were 10 point break films at this point and Keanu's in space like fighting right. aliens. And yeah, yeah. They, they've gone from <laughs> they, they've gone from crime films to the Avengers, essentially. Um, but uh, we're, we're here to talk about Petrolhead, and we were wondering what is the what was the first seed of an idea for for this book? How did it all sort of come together, and how does it how has it maybe evolved since you completed the first issue? Well, uh, Pi was doing uh, it was it was uh, lockdown, and Pi was doing a bunch of sort of prints and uh, and posters mm-hmm. of futuristic racing cars with robot drivers, and I I saw these and kind of went they they looked like they were pretty much a comic universe waiting to happen anyway so i dropped him a line and basically said look you know have you thought about doing a creator on comic with with this in this world you know this kind of feel and aesthetic and mm-hmm. like pie's colors were amazing and they really popped and they were bright and they all looked fun uh which is an important aspect i think mm. and then we kind of um then we got chatting and then we kind of built what Pe- petrol head became it was just a case of sort of taking that aesthetic and trying to create characters and create a narrative drive and all those things you need to actually have a compelling story. Yeah. And it, it really is. It's a, a dynamic first issue with this world building that it just feels so robust. Uh, 
could tell you guys have put a lot of thought into it. Is there is there like a petrol head Bible that you guys have put together where you have certain rules or history that may not even be on the page? Uh, not necessarily, although it has changed a little bit. Like the, when we first did the pitch, it was, uh, I mean, the, the bones of it were there, you know, they kind of mm. lived in the city and there was a, there was Petrohead and Looper sort of escaping from some amorphous good, like, you know, bad guy threat. Mm -hmm. um, but it has certainly changed since then, you know, like the, sort of the vehicles have changed and the, I don't know. It's like, we, like, well, characters have popped up that weren't in the original pitch. You know, like Dave, the, the robot bird, which you can see on your shoulder there. Um, I love Dave. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, exactly. He's almost like the best thing in it, and he wasn't in the original pitch. Which is yeah. an example of how it That's has interesting. Um, uh, Likewise, Rob's written a character called Satnav Sid, who you probably won't have seen yet. He's a sort mm. of similar thing, you know, like a little cheeky Cockney chap who tells them where to go and hacks network. Oh, love. Okay. Fantastic. Nice. Yeah, it's a, it's it's kind of like an always an organic growth to these kind of things. So when we mm -hmm. kind of when we did the pitch, like Pi said, we kind of built the fact that because petrol head uh, belches petrol out of his head, it just lent itself to a climate emergency kind of overriding mm -hmm. kind of theme. So suddenly, then you get the very sort of and uh, probably unremarkable kind of um, a domed cities with all that's left of humanity, and the world outside is a terrible place. And 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 Pi and I both come from two thousand AD. Um, sure. And the idea of future extreme future sports is kind of like writ large in the first hundred page, uh, hundred issues of sort of 2080, especially. Mm -hmm. um, so the idea that there was this race of drag racing robots that were given sort of um, feeling chips. Um, so if they smashed up or, or burned out or anything, they would feel it. And the drama is more. Um, so then the, the petal heads races are there to kind of keep it people amused and, and and entertained because to stop them noticing that their world has died, which is <laughs> pretty kind of dark kind of sort of subtext to the entire thing. Um, but then you put those kind of parameters in place and then you kind of go, okay, if there is a climate emergency, well, that's what, mm. in terms of the want of what the characters want and what mm -hmm. the get of the story is, is like, well, it's a cure for that. <laughs> and that's why we needed something to get Petrolhead racing again because he's kind of like the archetype of the old heavyweight boxer who won't go back in the ring when we first meet him in issue one yeah um it, it, so that's it, all, all fine in terms of the parameter the story parameters but then as pi said when you start writing it very often some of the best things in it pop in and you hadn't planned it and it's dave the bird and it's sad and sid and things like that um and you start building the world organically out and you'll write a line and kind of go oh that actually suggests a bunch of world building which hmm, sure. perhaps you didn't have so you, you you kind of need someone to give you the green light and then once you start building it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and that's usually how good stories go nice. I, I i had a question about the the various forms of entertainment in the dome city there's there's implications that there have been you know the the, the petrol head races are essentially the latest and greatest but like do you have any idea of what the other extreme sports that might have happened before the races? Uh, we, 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 we need paying to answer that question, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or paying to write that little spin-off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, possibly yet to be decided in, in okay. aspects. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, there is a case of like, we wanted the petrol heads to be obsolete mm. because it makes petrol head... Um, a more uh, sympathetic character. You know, he's, he's the underdog, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, but it's also, 
in in the world out there, any but again, it just suggested itself. Him being a petrol head, um, belching out fumes in a climate emergency, it's just like someone at some point is going to go. Well, hang on, does this make a lot of sense? Surely, we <laughs> right. know, electric cars or hybrid cars. Hmm. But I do feel like humans. I mean, the, re- the humans would definitely still go for the old types of entertainment, regardless of the environmental cost, even after the end of the world. Yeah, that's right. right. No, rarely act in our own best interest. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> um, but we, do, I mean, we've got like, the parameters of the story, and our big bad guy is, is, is a is a robot administrator who's in charge yeah. of a city called the O. And great design. Oh yeah, my gosh! So uh, like fantastic. Well, that's all pie. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's. Um, and the gen- general idea of him having a huge head because <laughs> yeah. he's got to he's got to run the entire city. So why? And he's a robot. And why wouldn't he have a huge head? But Keep it's an eye um, on everything. <laughs> yeah, but it's it, it, it's it's a case of you know he, he's got to keep everyone alive. So at some mm-hmm. point he went. The petrol heads are a bad idea and shut them down. Which is another mm-hmm. reason why petrol head hates him even before mm-hmm. we get to our big sort of the our major story arc, which is then right. on the run. Are there any challenges uh, to getting a character like Petrol Head to emote? It must be tricky with some of these designs. Yeah, there's a there's a few times where Rob's like, you know, the, the, the direction for the panel will say something like, you know, he can't laugh, but he would be laughing now. Like, well, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Unless you literally have him with a speedball saying, ha ha, which would be awful. <laughs> sure. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, which I tend to sort of do it with... Uh, a little bit of body language, but also that I mean, one of the benefits of doing it in a slightly cartoony way is that I can mm. warp his head a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. so I'll draw, I will change the angle of his eyes or the size of his eyes slightly just to sort of give or show it from a certain angle, just to make it more smiley or angry or yeah, whatever I can do to help. Show, you know, slumped shoulders and things like that. That's that's a similar thing to you know, like just dread. You have to show a lot mm. of emotion, not very much. You know, just a chin. Right. You, you yeah. do manage to. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I, there, there's a, there's a, I mean, this opens with uh, Petrolhead essentially in mourning and we, we get that just from, yeah, the body language or the positioning of the, the camera, so to speak with him, you know, as sort of an overhead shot. I mean, it's someone, you know, on their knees, essentially like mm. at, at, a, at a, at a gravestone. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. I, I think that's you definitely pull that off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, good. I'm glad. You, I'm glad you think so. You know, he, I mean, he has at least got a sort of humanoid body yeah. shape. So I think, like, if I had to make Dave look sad, that would be mm. very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> no, just a bowed head, it would be fine. Um, yeah. but it, um, no, I mean, we, 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 yeah, we wanted to open. Well, I wanted to open with um, a scene where. You see, like, the overriding thing is that even though these are robots, mm-hmm. you get the petrol head A as a character and B has a soul. Mm-hmm. Um, he's yeah, sad, definitely. At its most basic story level. Uh, and then we do that for about four pages, and then we wanted to really quickly get into, you know, it's 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 a future racing book, and yeah, does that stuff incredibly, and we wanted to sort of slap people across the face with it as soon as possible. So then we get into the flashback of the Petrolhead 5000 race, which is the Petrolheads at their height. Mm. Uh, and then it's, um, it's it's you know, it's some of the best sort of like racing comics you'll you'll ever see, I think. Oh, man. I I imagine there's a lot of brainstorming sessions that come with like the the, the car and the bot designs and, and how and, and just the, the motion of these action sequences. Uh, you know, I was getting big Speed Racer vibes, uh, Death Race 2000. 
Um, walk us through your collaboration process when, when, it, especially when it comes to these like kind of bombastic racing sequences. Uh, well, I mean, when it comes to sort of the car and the the, the robot designs, Rob will generally mm. have a you know give me a few sentences or a few words. He needs to do this or he needs to, uh, you know, like I don't know. Uh, it's got to be scary, fast, <laughs> and dangerous, or. <laughs> No. Sure. We're kind of fairly loose, really. So we'll go from there, and then the the car will spring from the robot a lot of the time. Huh. Um, uh, generally, I'll choose cars that I like, but um, uh, yeah. But no, as far as far as the scenes go, Rob tell, Rob tells me what to draw, and I work it out. There's not we haven't had a huge amount of kind of. There's not. No. We don't, we don't sort of plan. Like, we don't. We don't have an extended planning session, do we? Uh -huh. Like. It's it's kind of it's full script, but the design the designs are all pie. I mean, mm. but you know they they're largely built out of character. I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, the petrol head he needed to have a clunky. I mean, you came up immediately by with a fantastic uh, old chunky car, which doesn't look like you know, there's going to be sleeker cars, which is yeah. again, you know, it goes into the character. Um, so all, all the designs are there before before I script. Um, and then it's full script, but then Pi just does it all in such a dynamic way, and um, and I think you know conveys speed on the page, you know, can, like in a Definitely. way. Like, I keep on thinking of like Akira and things like that, which actually yeah, do that so well. Um, but that the, he, he he does a real cool thing where like some of it, you can see the edge of a car distort sometimes, where it's like it's moving. You get a mm. sense of the page, which is kind of rare, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, which is another real strength. Something like heads, eyes being different. It just makes me think like, how the hell did you come to this super cool look? <laughs> Very specific, yeah. And yet it seems like something that had a lot of th thought process and maybe meetings with, but maybe maybe Pi, you're just... Well, no, no Petro, it did take a little while to get right. You know, yeah. mm -hmm. we, we spent, I did probably, I don't know, well, we did a lot of different heads. Um, <laughs> but I was always quite keen to make him, because one of the good things about robots is they don't have to be, you haven't got to base it around a human shape. They can be built for yeah. purpose. Right. Yeah. I, I really wanted robot. I really wanted Petro particularly to have an interesting silhouette. Mm. Um, so all lopsided, and then I thought, well, if he's going to have this giant arm, which is a bit of a toolkit, then maybe he needs a human-sized arm so he can use human-sized things. Yeah. And he needs a, uh, and then he needs a big cartoony arm as well. And uh, then maybe I'll give him some chest. And it, we just kind of kept adding stuff until it worked, didn't we? Really? Hmm. Yeah. There, well, there was a bit of back and forth about his design, but a lot of the other stuff came together quite, quite easily. I think it's like it's mainly there was a from my memory of it there was a really going from naught to sixty which is very in keeping with the book where there was a couple of <laughs> early designs which was like not there at all and then mm -hmm. Mike said something through and I went well that's pretty much it immediately so wow. it's kind of it's, oh, it's great it's mainly it's pie I mean the, the the eyes being different is totally pie but like one of the things I love about that is the one that there's the two slits but the other eye. Mm -hmm. There's a quite a substantial amount of acting. Um, mm, yes, as the book yeah. Continues like depending how what Petrohead is thinking or feeling. Mm -hmm. I does a lot with that, and I love that because that I've always said if I can get good acting performances out of the art, then that makes me a way better writer because I can I can tone down yeah and play subtext and all these right things. right. Well, it's like you said he he immediately he immediately looks like an underdog. I you know what I, I kept thinking was. Uh, in the first couple of pages, I was like, "What is he? Who does Petrol Head remind me of?" And there's a there's a moment during the race when I suddenly said, "Oh, he's Popeye." 
happy <laughs> in it. Like I was like, oh, I mean, I, I love this yeah. guy. No, that's, that's that's really good. I've never seen that, but that's fantastic. He's no, no, that's actually you're right. It's like I hadn't considered that because I, I, I kind of went. He's he's a bit. He's kind of Ben Grimm, and he's a bit. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. And he's kind of uh, like Ernest Borgnine for some reason. The, <laughs> yeah. The actor. But I hadn't considered Popeye, but now you say it. Ah, I love it. Yeah, is, it's uh, the way the way he talks is very like uh, gotta get me spinach. <laughs> was, well, <laughs> yeah, I was. I've watched it like twenty years. <laughs> I, you know, I kept mm. hearing the voice. I kept hearing uh, when I was reading this. It, it might actually be Ernest, Ernest Borgnine, but I, I kept thinking Ed Asner, or just that sort of like put yeah. upon, yeah. Yeah. always gravelly. Like yeah. I, I just, I, I love that type of character. I. I I want to give him a hug, but also give him distance at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I could imagine him sounding like, you know, Mick the trainer from Rocky or something. Yeah, like, definitely. Like, he's got that voice. And and there is a weird, this is the thing with, like, even though they're robots, a yeah. lot of them, mm-hmm. characters in it, they, they're real characters. They've, mm-hmm. they've got souls. They're very, they're very different. They're not remotely kind of like, I am a robot. It's like, it's, they were programmed with feelings and personalities to right. appeal right. To, the, to, to the audience of the Petrolhead races. And as a result, they kind of created three-dimensional characters, hopefully. Well, one of the things I quite like, like, actually. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, go, uh, go ahead. Uh, one of the things I quite like is that some of the human characters are far more robotic. You know, huh. the, yes. uh, the assistance to the O, there's a bit in a few episodes when they all kind of laugh one at a time, but at the same time, and it's far more oh. sinister and robotic than any of the racing robots are. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It, and now the robots are being treated as, you know, the fifth class citizens, you know, mm-hmm. and you've, you've built them with feelings. So you know that you're actively hurting this sentient being and mm-hmm. there, that, that adds a whole other layer to the, the hierarchy there. Yeah. Yeah, especially when the top guy's a robot as well. I mean, that's... Uh, right, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the color story yeah, I, seems so yeah. fascinating. I'm always fascinated by the color story, and I, I'm wondering, were you thinking about that as far as just, like, blocking out how you were using color from, you know, cover to cover when you were creating this book? Oh, specifically on covers or just sort of in, in on the inside? <clears throat> oh, the color, like, uh, like the color choices in the story. The, um... Yeah, well, I, that's slightly suggested by the posters that we used to start from. And I was mm-hmm. deliberately limiting. I was doing some screen prints, and I was deliberately limiting the palette that I had, just because the more colours you use, the uh, the more they cost to print. Right. Uh, but at the same time, you end up getting some quite interesting stuff. You have to think a lot harder about your colour choices when you only use four, mm-hmm. uh, and you, can, you end up with some quite clever stuff. So I thought that it'd be quite nice to colour the entire thing in false colour. I don't have to make yeah. it brown or pink or whatever i can make it blue if i want to it doesn't really right. matter um, but, but, it, but it helps with a few things because you can make the you know if someone's angry you can make the entire panel red right. um, and, and, and then in the first uh issue especially uh, it's the, the color sort of divides up the different areas of the story so um mm. in its heyday they're all in this bright orange light which is um a bit odd anyway it sort of kind of looks like sunset but also it's <laughs> quite otherworldly because they're under this giant dome Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then it goes to a very clinical blue when you get introduced to Looper, who lives in a lab. Uh, and then through to browns and uh, muddy green colour when he's in the smog zone, like in, in the slum. Um, so yeah. it, it sort of helps to give it, sort of separate it all out a bit, really. Mm-hmm. 
I, I was fascinated by the choice of, I mean, you, you've talked about 2000 AD, but whenever we see, we briefly see outside the domes and it's not quite mm. cursed earth, you know, it's, it's, uh, it still has like the, a brightness and a vibrancy to it. Was that, uh, was that a choice to make us like sort of curious about what's outside the domes? Um, well, like one of the things that Lupa says start with is that, you know, she sees that, does she say that's beautiful? I, I can't remember what, what the yeah, kind of dialogue. This fire, she goes, they're not fireflies, but it's like embers of thing, dead things. Love that moment. Mm. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. there is a kind of, you you will see at the start of issue two, mm -hmm. a very strong, if you go outside the dome, you die, basically. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's, good it's, to know. It's, not, it's not cursed <laughs> earth where there is mutants out there and, and people like sure. that. It's like, it's, it's that bad outside the dome. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, it, it it's um, yeah. There, there's a lot more story to come from that. Put it that way. Interesting. Fantastic. Okay, looking forward to that. Uh, is there anything you learned about your own work after working on this project? Assuming you're done, Pi. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm deep. I'm deep in the shit at the minute. Um, the... Professionalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I think what I've learned is that I should give cars more bonnets because drawing <laughs> a very complicated engine over and over again is, is yeah, murder. yeah, <laughs> yeah. That Sorry, double page, all cars should have hoods. In that first issue with the double page, I, I think it's a double page layout, but there's a huge yeah. of the hot rod car. It's so cool. There's so many neat mm -hmm. little details. I want to see you design a real car for Ferrari. Yeah, that would be great, wouldn't it? I, I want toys. I, I want toys of yes. this book. <laughs> uh, we want toys, yeah. If you know anyone who can hook us up, then that would be awesome. Um, it feels that way. Um, no, it's um, in terms of... It, it is, I don't know about what you learn, but I think yeah, I, what's interesting about it is because it's just us, and, and mm -hmm. you know, it, it is about as pure as create your own goes, I guess. You get the freedom to to allow things to breathe and then certain things suggest themselves and 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 the pacing suggests itself and mm -hmm. there, I, i've done so much work over the years with like marvel and dc and things where uh you have a editorial presence who will say no you know you need it will come in and, and and it's very you filtered through their lens um and I think sometimes I think it's a good thing to have this creator own freedom. And you look at what we got with Petrol Head, which is great. I think I just absolutely love it. And you get things like Dave and Satnav Sid who just pop up and you know, because you're working in a far more looser fashion. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've learned anything, but I do know that sometimes that's a good thing to go. But then, then sometimes I think you do benefit from an editor as well. Um, yeah, I think you have to have that grounding to make one be special. Like if you went entirely in one well yeah if you did this way. all the time i suspect there's a certain feeling of like oh good we haven't got editors so it's like <laughs> blah we've ended right. up with something i think really good but it can go wrong as well um sure so, right yeah. right you have an editor just hates birds they're like next dave it's not working <laughs> yeah i mean sometimes like if you get a good editor it's a really good thing to have and you get a, another voice who kind of oh, you might want to think again about that and that can be a really mm -hmm. good move but i do think sometimes there's a real energy and freedom that comes from you just kind of going right here it is yeah. um um which is what we've ended up here and i think it's to the benefit of this book mm -hmm. but um yeah it's 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 interesting it's 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 a nice change and um, i gotta I've, I've, um, i have found that i I ended up like, to start with. I was just I really did want an excuse to make a comic about cars, but yeah. what I've ended up enjoying <laughs> drawing the most 
is the stuff that isn't all the big bombastic car chases where you know because mm-hmm. because you do end up caring about the characters it's nice to draw them interacting and drawing moments between them which mm-hmm. i didn't that's that is absolutely something i've discovered that i i enjoy that as much as anything else because it has more weight to it mm-hmm. than just a yeah. big explosion or some skidding or something yeah. i mean you've got i mean that was the thing going in you know we knew that like we would end up with some amazing race sequences but it it's just like any book. It doesn't matter whether it's a samurai book or a monster book or whatever mm-hmm. it is. You don't care about the characters and you, right. you, you're lost. And, and and I think, you know, we end, we've end we ended up with a cast that, you know, I think we really love. And I think other people seem to, when they've read it, seem to really care, you know, react to and care about yeah. it as well. Mm-hmm. That's it. I think, yeah, uh, you know, oh, I was just going to say, having only read the first issue so far, I feel like, it's one that rewards repeat reads as well, because Mm. once I'm not, you know, not focused on the action, I am taking in these smaller character beats and these, these sort of design choices. I mean, the fact that the fact that Dave exists tells you so much about petrol head, you know, the fact Uh, that he, this, this little bird not only was built, but also has, you know, the color choices. And that, 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 that says something about what Petrolhead finds to be beautiful. Petrolhead builds a, you know, brings a little rose, you know, there's, there's these moments that I just, I don't know when, on a second reading, I, I, I just had these, I, I don't know. There's, there's really lovely aesthetic choices that tell you about the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Dave is kind of, it's interesting from a story mechanics point of view, mm-hmm. it was a case of like, right, I've got Petrolhead living on his own. And he's got no one to interact with, and that's mm-hmm. going to be some boring comics. So he right. needs something <laughs> to interact with, right? Right. So then, from that, you come up. That's where Dave came from. But then, Dave is effectively um, Petrolhead's conscience. He is he's Jiminy Cricket, effectively. Absolutely, yeah. So he, so Petrolhead has created someone to call him on his bullshit, which he, <laughs> which he totally needs. Right. Um, and there, as the story progresses, you will see there's a few instances where Petrolhead would go the other way and Dave goes, hang on, you know, mm. think of think again. And that makes Petrolhead do the right thing. Um, so that. just the fact that Dave, I'm uh, sorry, Petrolhead effectively created his own conscience mm-hmm. in, a, in, 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 a, in a quite beautiful little bird. Yeah. Uh, says a lot about, he might be the grumpy heavyweight <laughs> mm-hmm. Popeye, as we've discovered in this call, he is effectively Popeye. Um, <laughs> But um, yeah, so but um, yeah, so that, that oh. you know, you get these lovely sort of. It, it gives more depth to the characters, I think. Mm-hmm. The juxtaposition of Petrolhead, this hulking, like you said, Ben Grimm style looking character with the tiny Dave Bird, is is it works really well and beautifully. Yeah, I like that. It, it, you wouldn't can necessarily think that he could build something like you know, just from a, an aesthetic. There's a there's a that has that an aesthetic choice there, which is right, sort of, right. Something yeah, delicate and small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not yeah. just that he, he could have built himself a conscience that looked like a cube, and he didn't. Well, right. and he, he, we see he's got these huge, you know, meat hooks for hands, and so he would have had to be extremely, like you said, delicate and gentle in order to create something like this. Right. Yeah. I think that you always that was the thing with he. You wanted the heart. He had the heart of gold. He's the bruiser with the yeah. heart of gold, and he won't allow you to see the heart of gold. But it's in there. You've just got to dig a bit. And even at the end of issue one. He he sees Looper and, mm-hmm. and and Linton hiding in his garage, and Lu- uh, and Looper um, says to him like, Shh, you know, don't give us away to the to the Robocops, 
and Petrolhead steps outside and he goes, two humans hiding in my garage. <laughs> and he does right. completely the shitty thing. You know, yeah, he does, yeah. but, he, but he's, again, he's very much like Han Solo in, in A New Hope, you know what I mean? Han mm-hmm. is, he's the grifter with the heart of gold and you mm-hmm. know it's going to show at some at some point and it's that mm-hmm. kind of art. Well, well, we keep comparing Petrolhead, uh, the character, to uh, other characters like Han Solo or Popeye. If Petrolhead was adapted to TV or film, who would you love to see direct? Or in what format would you like to see it? I would quite like a cartoon, I've got to be honest. Just cartoon. From a, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like yeah. If, it was on, if it was on Netflix's Love, Death or Robots, I'd be very happy with that. Oh, God, yeah. that show's so good. Uh, who to direct? I don't know. Tonally, I mean, it's... Martin Scorsese, of course. Of course. <laughs> like, I'm just out of three and a half see there, I think it'd be well up for it. Go see easy. Um, <laughs> who would be good directing? I don't know. Hmm. I'll go. I'll uh, someone like so. I don't know. I someone like Barry or Bill Hader. I'll go. I'll go left wing. I'll go. Bit, oh, I love that. Bill Hader. Yeah. Bill Hader. I did. We're gonna tag yeah. him on the on this post when when it goes live. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if how he'd work with you know with with, with a cartoon or not, but I, um, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go Paul Verhoeven. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Absolutely, it might, be, it might be a lot more blood and sex in it. If yeah, it's slightly Paul. slightly more boobs in it, but yeah, <laughs> it just opens with a sex scene for no reason. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Well, well, fellas, uh, is there anything else that you would like to plug today? Anything that you've got uh, coming up or, or something that's out right now that you'd like to direct our listeners to? Rob, you want to go? Um, I, I'm, I'm doing a bunch of Judge Dredd for 2000 AD at the minute. Mm-hmm. And I've got currently got a Judge Dredd story with PJ Holden running in 2000 AD called Poison, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, sort of a whodunit, a, mur- a murder mystery in the Dread world, which is kind of fun um what else is going on um i guess we just want to direct people towards we've got uh petrolhead's got his own instagram account and petrolhead comic and we've got social media accounts and, we, and a website and we're just you know full speed ahead on on petrolhead the minute and trying to get as many people to look at it as, as we can because we think it's a really fun book and we're really yeah. proud of it absolutely i really like the website uh, it, it comes together really well with the quotes and and Art and how it's laid out. Nice work on that. Yeah. Thanks. So that's Pi's wife, right? Yeah, oh. she's been more than pulling her weight there, really. Nice. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. Like social media is one of those things that could be a full time job, easily. Yeah. Especially when oh, yeah. doing art yeah. stuff, you, you kind of get. I'd like to get as particular about it as you do about the comic page, but it's it's impossible. You can you just can't. So um, sure, you could tweet forever. That's another, it's another thing. Yeah, like exactly. doing a creator own book is. You know, it's you have to you have to make the book and make that great. But then it's totally up to you to do all the press to, to try and contact your own street to, team. Yeah, mm-hmm. get people to. You could have the best book in the world, and it it's it you know it's a slog to try to get people to actually just know that it exists and get it out there. So um, yeah, that's all part of it too. You gotta you gotta come on podcasts and talk to guys like us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm, I'm I'm so happy that sort of people care enough to come and interview us about it. Really, this is my first experience oh. of this sort of thing, so it's it's lovely to just sort of not be met by a complete void of uh, attention. <laughs> oh, happy to do it. I, I love this. I love the first issue, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the craft next. and artistry is, is is way up there. I highly recommend people check out Petrolhead, which comes out November eighth. Rob and Pi, thank you so much for being on the APT Comics podcast. Oh, before we before we go, uh, Pi, was there anything that you wanted to to put on people's radars 
Um, I mainly fall out on this, to be honest. I, I, okay. The one thing I did do recently, which is we do like Petrohead, it's quite similar. Um, I did art for a board game called Joyride. Ooh. Um, which is a bit like uh, Mario Kart crossed with Mad Max. So the top, so a top-down turn-based board game for for All four. Right. And uh, it smashed its Kickstarter the other day, so it's it's not oh, quite nice. printed because they're still waiting for me to design the rule books. But um, cool, it's out soon and check it out if you like that, the way it looks. It looks very simple. That sounds like exactly up mine and Dave's radar, like oh, yeah. <laughs> up our alley. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the APT Comics podcast. No, thank you for taking the time, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs>